together to um, the book of John. We're going to be in um, John 11. Today is going to be quite um, interactive and I'm expectant for what God's trying to build with us as people in, the, in, our, in our church specifically as a group of us, but mainly what happens outside of this venue, which as Dave and Luke and everyone who's stood up here so far, and the rest of you are still going to have your turn. It's quite a, a change if you ever stood up here. It's, it's quite different to stand up here because it's really quiet compared to what we were used to. So now you don't have that time with the interruptions to have your to get your next thought. <laughs> so you've got to like you feel like that pressure. So I'm just not going to feel that pressure. I'm just going to just have moments of silence, gather my thoughts, and then. That's why I like going to Malawi because when they interpret, you've got so much time. It's like oh, you don't even have to prepare anything. Just stand there, okay, and then you say the next thought, and then you wait like for a massive sentence. Can someone come and do... Remember that time I interpreted Spanish? That was funny. <laughs> it was very funny. But I did actually understand what he was saying. Before I start there in John, um, I, I just want to build on what Luke just made us do there quickly. As we were singing that song, um, Come to the Altar. Just I love that song so much. And I, actually, surprisingly, I've just talked about Spanish, but I also listened to that song quite a bit in Spanish. It bothers Jess because I always play that whole album. There's a Spanish version of it. And um, I put it on loud and I don't know. I just like the fact that I know the songs and also the words aren't distracting me and I'm just sort of engaging with it. But I would like us just quickly to pause and engage with the forgiveness that's on us. Again, I just felt like, so just close your eyes with me. Just felt like that was what the Spirit was doing. As we just start off, don't have a long message. We've got a bit of time to do this. Just say thank you, Jesus, again. For your forgiveness that's on my life. We just thank you, Father, so much for how you've poured out your life on us. You gave yourself unto death and you poured out your life on us. Where we didn't deserve your forgiveness, you poured out yourself on us. We are so grateful. In the deepest, innermost parts of our beings, we say thank you again, Father. Help us to reconnect, to engage again with our forgiveness, Father. The fact that you've poured out yourself on our lives. We can never, never do this too much. And we don't want to lose sight, God, of your kindness to us over and over and over again. How you've forgiven us time and time again. So I just pray for each one of us right now in Jesus' name that this week would be a special week of re-engaging with the forgiveness that's on our lives. And we're going to do that through offering it to others. So we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in us as you stir us and you remind us in the deep inner places. And we all know where those places are and what he's done. And it's wonderful to reflect and to remember again, like, geez, I used to walk in that thing and God just, he shifted that in me and he did that in me there and there. So, amen. Let's, let's believe for that this week. So, um, in John 11, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, everybody. It's the trendy translation out there. So, I've got one. Um, and I'm going to jump quickly through the end of 11 then we're going to sit in 12 John 11 verse 43 um, is where Lazarus is raised from the dead you guys know that or you remember that story Um, Lazarus was dead he was dead for four days everyone was upset saying why did you leave him for so long this is your friend you love him why did you wait you could have you could have healed him and you could have come and he says no he's just sleeping 
and Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days, and um, that he, Jesus eventually says, take me to him. And um, let me pick it up here. He says, then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had, been, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped. I was thinking of doing a skit here. It would be quite a good skit. Um, grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covering his face. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. Just imagine the scene. It's like this, this friend, this guy, Jesus, one of Jesus' closest friends in this time, had been dead for four days. He's wrapped up, as we all know, sort of, you've all watched the documentary about the Shroud of Turin, and you've seen the kind of fabric they would have used. Anyone ha- has seen that? No? Don't watch it. It's conspiracy stuff. Um, so it would have been like some kind of a muslin, clothy thing, and he was wrapped all up, and he's coming out of this mummy-type looking scene, and he's walking out, and he's been dead for four days, and... And I don't know if he smelt or not, but it must have been the most shocking sight. Mm. This person hobbling out of the tomb. Mm. And everyone had been crying at the tomb for the last four days. Yeah. It's just imagine what was going on in all of their minds. Just how blown away you must have been at what Jesus had just done. Mm. Just with, with a simple sentence. He just said, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Mm. Just, power, like, just such a picture for us of the authority that Jesus walked in. Um, and so after this happened, obviously it spread like wildfire that Jesus had just done this. This was one of the most significant um, miracles that people had heard Jesus had done. And so all of a sudden the word started to spread radically around the, you know, you can't, as Leonard Ravenel always says, you don't have to advertise a fire. You just, people just come. They just come to a fire when it's happening. You don't have to say, hey, I'm going to light a fire at that time and then you guys can come. You just light one and people will gather. And this is what happened. And so then the word got out to the Pharisees and they said, this is, this is too much. And they started to come against Jesus and they wanted to kill him and they wanted to, they were chasing him. They, wanted, they, they were afraid that because he was doing these wonderful things, they were, they were going to lose their place and their power and all sorts of influence that they had. And um, verse 54, it says this, For this reason, then Jesus no longer went out in public among the Jews, but he went into the wilderness to a village called Ephraim, where he secluded himself with his disciples. I'm just going to stop there in verse 11. That was just giving you some context. So he then, he did this wonderful miracle of raising Lazarus, and then he removed himself from the crowds and went to hide a bit and to sort of hold back, I think, on what God was doing, kind of like pausing for a moment. And imagine what was still, everyone's still talking, looking, where's Jesus, what's happening? Where's this man? He's just done this crazy thing. We want to find him. And, um, and then in verse 12, um, the beginning of verse 12, Jesus is, is anointed by Mary with this perfume that was worth uh, almost a year's worth of wages. And she gets cr- criticized for spending all, all that amount of money on, on anointing him. And Jesus says this, I'm not, you know, I'm not always going to be with you. And this is actually a prophetic declaration that's busy happening. I'm busy being prepared for my burial by this anointing in oil. And then it goes on after that to this verse 12, 12 to 15. Let's read it together. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd <clears throat> gathered for the feast. So they were, the Jewish feast, they were having a Jewish feast at the time, so there was a big crowd there. And verse 13, so they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Everyone was shouting, Lord, be our savior. Blessed is the one who comes to us sent from Jehovah God, the King of Israel. Then Jesus found a young donkey and rode in on it to fulfill what was prophesied. 
People of Zion, have no fear. Look, it's your king coming to, coming to you riding on a donkey. I just love that everything Jesus did was so strategically walking in a prophecy that had been pre-declared, which is why we're having our weekend next weekend about pursuing the prophetic. Because imagine the Ezekiel and the Joel and the Isaiah is amongst us. And we have this, this, I think we have a picture of the, of the prophetic where those prophets of old don't exist anymore, but they do, and they're amongst us. And it's just about us giving ourselves to God in that way, to allow him to, to begin to declare things that will be. Um, so let's, let's just pick up the story a little bit at, at um, this point where Jesus arrives in. On, uh, I think it was, yeah, on Wednesday, Meghan Markle was in Cape Town, and I had this moment, I was sitting there, Jenna was there, and, and this Jenna as well, we were also there. Anybody else? Anybody else? No? Anyone know who Meghan Markle is? She's a famous actress from Suits. And, and then got more fans. Married well. Married up. <laughs> Married up. <laughs> Some would say. I don't know who wants that kind of life. And so I was sitting there watching this thing. Imagine this moment. Jesus is, the word is out. He's raised Lazarus from the dead. And the word is out. And they're talking about this person. He's coming. He's coming. And they start to throw the palm branches down. And declaring, Hosanna, Hosanna. He's coming. And she's coming. And I just had this sense of the, the electricity in the space when Megan was in the building. It was crazy. It was, it was crazy at, at the Woodstock Exchange. Jenna can agree. I mean, we were there. And just all of a sudden, anyone who's anyone just wanted to talk to anything about anyone. Just, it's any, it was like the weirdest thing. People who don't know each other all of a sudden standing right next to each other. Like, do you know how, when? It just broke down everything. And everyone was just looking in all directions trying to work it out. With which side? What time? Will I get a, will I get a glimpse? Kind of. And, and I just, at the, as I sat there, I just thought, imagine this started to happen around Jesus. And this is what we have this picture of in, in Jerusalem when he, when he started to arrive. Because the crowd started to talk and started to say, he's coming. And, and obviously, trying to work out which street would he be on, which little alleyways he's going to walk down. I need to rush and get a palm branch. I need to be ready. I need to get my spot for my selfie. You can picture everything's going on. And I actually took a wonderful video for you guys, but... Why we took up an offering is because we need some media. I want to give myself a hand today for that. Um, <laughs> that was hectic. <laughs> I'm laughing at Simone. <laughs> Excuse me. She's, <laughs> she's embarrassed. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the hardest. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so bad. So imagine... We could show the video of Meghan Markle and the scene. I took this video of everybody taking selfies, and it was crazy. You, and we didn't get to see her all that waiting, Jen. We didn't even, did you? Glimpse. A glimpse. I didn't even, I was behind a thing of stairs and like 80 camera people, and it was just, it was a moment, boom, the door was open, she's gone. And imagine this hype, this thing that was building, this electricity around Jesus and his coming. And I just started to think, like, prophetically, is, is God speaking to me in this moment about what it's like when Jesus arrives, really. Wow. And so, sort of gave this little talk to you guys, a, a title today, When Word Got Out. And I just thought, started to think, when word gets out about who Jesus really is, mm. the place is electric. Mm. Something shifts. Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's all of us on News 24, zooming in, 
is it really at what time about when is he going to do that and I just had such a sense in God that he, he's calling us as a church to repent of how interested we are in everything that is not Jesus and how much time and effort and energy we're willing to put in anything that's not Jesus and his arrival. Mm. Just, he, we've got, we have so much information that's filling us right now mm. of stuff that absolutely does not matter. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, he's, just, he's gentle and he's kind and he just says we can change and we can stop that today. And he just invites us to shift. And you all know where you need to do that. But just imagine yourself, your life shifted and changed to the point where that sense of anticipation of getting to have a glimpse of the royal is on the one that's eternal. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I, I believe God just is drawing us as a people. Mm. And I was reminded of something that he spoke to me probably about three years ago. He said to me, I want to gather about a hundred people in the city. And that was, he was talking about our church. We don't mind where they meet or what they look like or what they do, but they have a specific mindset. Mm. And it wasn't ever about, and I've talked about it a few times here, it wasn't ever about whether we'll be in this space or at the doors and windows with the dead pigeons or wherever we might be. It would be about a way that we live, yeah. about who we are and who yeah. we're becoming in Christ. Yeah. And I really believe that this is one of the key things that is going to help us to be God's people, mm. where we've got, He's got our attention. And sort of, this phrase of when word gets out has happened to us. Yeah. So Jesus arrives on this donkey. And I was just thinking about that. He starts out so humbly. And we're going to pick it up now in a moment. But he, he ends out in power. And there's such an invitation for us when, when he does pour out his spirit and, and the power comes. Verse 12, verse 18, it says, um, They welcomed him with joy into the city. The city welcomed him into the city with joy. The city was a flame with a sense of anticipation and joyfulness that Jesus was arriving. And how can we be involved in our city being that way right now, being set up that way to say, Jesus is arriving and that fills me with great joy? I've got a couple of questions for you. I was thinking about reputation. Reputation for most of us really matters. It really does matter in our in our spheres of, of, of connectedness, it matters to us how people perceive us and how we perceive ourselves and the future and the past and all kinds of things. Would you agree? You do. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for interacting. Yeah. I'm loving the interaction, Dave. Helping me with time to think. <laughs> Reputation. What are, what are people believing about us? Yeah. We've got such a hang-up about this. And God's really busy breaking that down with us as a people right now. He's doing that. And to get the courage of God is, is, is a wonderful gift, but I, I, I really see what he's doing that's deeper than just giving us courage. He's actually giving us compassion. Because wow. courage is wonderful. Because yeah. you can be bold and we can have this pursuing the prophetic weekend together and we can all start to be, yes, I'm, I can talk to anyone, I'll tell anyone about Jesus, but really to be moved like he was moved. Mm. And it says, as he came up to Lazarus's tomb, he was weeping with emotion. Wow. He saw Mary and her, and her pain and he started to weep. And he... And he he was so connected to the pain that they were feeling around this. And, he, and he, as he got to the tomb and he says, roll the stone away, he was weeping, full of the emotion because of the loss of a friend, of something, of a, of a broken situation, of something that was maybe too soon or whatever the case was. But God's doing that with us. And so, so our reputation matters to us. And um, 
what is the message that is being spread ahead of us? No, it says the city welcomed him with joy because the message that had gone before him was that Jesus raises the dead. It was a wonderful sense of anticipation that came because this guy who's about to arrive raises the dead. So the, the joy in the city was just up. Everything that's dead in the city is, gonna, is going to be risen, was going to be blessed because this man's on his way. And I have that question for us as a church. I feel like it's a very defining question and we're going to wrestle with this for a long time. But what is the message that the people are hearing from us? This, this group of us that are being stirred up and raised up by God. What will they think when, we are, when they know we're coming? Not nice people. You guys can answer some of those questions, but some of my immediate answers would be not just nice people, not just people who are kind, people who change the atmosphere. There's a dynamic to them where they're so moved by compassion and they shifted by something that's much bigger than their own situation. We are invited to a state of being that is so other-centered that we are personally healed in the process of pursuing God's purposes for others. I'll read it again to you. We are invited to a state of being that is so other-centered that we are personally healed in the process of pursuing God's purposes for others. And what I'm saying is that we are so caught up in our own needs and our own situations and our own desires and our own longing for breakthrough. But we get so held back because we're looking inward. And actually, we all know that the times that we felt most alive is when we've been offering healing to someone else. So going back to reputation... I think that probably the bigger question for us is we, are, we battle more with what we believe us, uh, about ourselves than what we worry, how much we worry what others believe about us. Does that make sense? We are concerned, yes, about what people think about us. But what actually hinders us even more, what, what concerns us even more is what we think about ourselves. And we, what we're believing about ourselves is the thing that's holding us, that keeps us the whole time. Just said. I'm surely not. I'm surely I couldn't. I would never be able to. I don't have that much capacity. I, I haven't been. I don't know how you guys. Anyone want to offer their, their immediate disclaimer how they disqualify themselves? Anyone want to be put on that? No. But we all know the first go-to phrase we each have. Because we have them. They're just that they, Some of them are just such a natural response like I could never. Uh, so there's an invitation for us about beginning to contend and giving ourselves to something that's bigger. And as, as I said earlier, everything Jesus was doing was in specifically fulfilling a, a prophetic word that had come before him about his time, about what he would do, what he would walk in, even down to the fact that he would ride on a donkey, the practicals, the simple things, that he would come and model humility. It was all prophetic. He didn't design this. He didn't set this up. It was, there, was, there was prophetic things that God the Father had spoken to men and women like us about the way that Jesus would come. And he walked in those things and he fulfilled them. And so the invitation for us today is to begin to ask God, what am I able to contend for right now that you've spoken already? Because he's spoken lots of things to us. Yeah. A lot. Mm. We all know. And if I had to say to you, what would be the one thing you, that you just know you've got to do right now? You've just got to do it. You all know. We've got to start to contend for those things. And there's an invitation for us today mm. on that. So then in John 14, Jesus... Jesus um, He's now in Jerusalem and there's this whole process going on where there's, there's animosity and, he, you know, he's, the build-up is busy happening towards his crucifixion. And in 1423, Jesus says, 
Loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my Father will love you so deeply that, he, that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. He's talking to the disciples. He's explaining to them what's going to happen when he goes. And my Father will love you so deeply that he will come to you and make you our dwelling place. I'm going to read it again. My Father will love you so deeply that he will come to you and make you our dwelling place. And then verse 24, but those who don't love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. I'm telling you this while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. Just go back to it. He says, and, and he, will, he will love you so deeply that he will come to you and make you our dwelling place. We've been completely enveloped and immersed in who God is. We've, we've become his dwelling place. And I was having a difficult conversation, my brother and I were having a difficult conversation with someone this week, and we just, I just said to him, you don't find God outside, you find God within. God's already within us. He's poured out his spirit into us. We don't go out and run and look for God, we just realize God from within. He wells up with inside us, and he says, I will, we will make you our dwelling place. And I felt like I needed to say that specifically to some of us where we're sort of saying, how is this next thing going to happen? How is God going to do this next thing with me? And we're trying to find him, but he's actually saying, I'm here, speak with me, call to me, I'm within you. And it's much simpler than trying to go on this march around the block to find God, to actually just realizing you are already within him. And so then, as I said, to pick up the second, the second arrival of Jesus in, in, in Jerusalem. So the first arrival was he himself in, his phys- in the flesh, and he arrives on the donkey in all that humility. And then, and then they have this, this period where he's crucified, and then they have um, this waiting period. And picking up in Acts 1, he says, verse 8, But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be filled with the power, and you'll be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, and even to the remotest places on the earth. I just love how when he says, my Spirit will come upon you, the, the, the first thing he says after my Spirit coming on you, he says, you'll be filled with power. I don't think it's possible to disconnect being a person who's filled with the Spirit and being filled with the power. They, 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 they coincide. There's, you can't separate God and His power. It's, it's one. And so this, this fallacy that we all have, that we think that we can sometimes have the power of God and other times not, needs to be broken. And Dave talked wonderfully about authority two weeks ago. And God's doing that with us again, where we learn how to speak as God speaks and to carry what God carries. Because you can't separate His Spirit and His power. My spirit will come upon you and you'll be filled with power and you'll go and be my messengers. And God isn't specifically calling all of us to join Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong or wherever else we've got to go. He's talking about the people that are in front of us and the next thing he'll open up and the next thing he'll open up. We don't have to be too caught up about that right now. It's just about who's in front of us. We know who those people are and it's exciting. And daunting when he says even to the remotest corners of the earth. So then in Acts 1.14, they were all united in prayer, and I, couldn't, I, can, I can never skip over this one. They were all united in prayer and gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. I talked about this a few months ago. Dave and I heard about this church who started a prayer meeting, and their, their specific line about the prayer meeting was, we want to pray with sustained urgency. There's an invitation for us to shift from being urgent at times to being sustained in our urgency, to seeing God come and break in in our city. 
because we, 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 we ebb and we flow and we move in waves. And that's sometimes okay because you do need to retreat to advance and to, to sort of go back to the wilderness as Jesus did and then go again. But it's not, a, it's not losing the urgency of Jesus breaking in. It's actually using wisdom to be refreshed and then to go again. And what we often do is we taper off to such an extent that the coming back is all about ourselves again. And God's inviting us to not do that anymore. To be so other-centered, as I said earlier, and willing to find our own healing in that process. So Acts 2, this is, this is when it happens. Verse 1 to 4. All the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could hear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. What starts in humility ends in power. As Jesus came in on this most humble following, walking through the prophetic words that had been spoken of how this had to happen, he comes at the end in power. Tongues of fire and power came upon them. So <clears throat> later we hear they then quote the prophet Joel. It's a short book. It's only three chapters. And I think you guys will remember this. I'm going to get you guys to say some things with me as I read this out. This is what I will then do in the last days. I will pour out my... Okay, on... All flesh or everybody. We read, sorry, we're reading the... The, the new stuff, yeah, so all the words are new. Pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and to prophesy and your young men will see and your old men will experience from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear for the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before that great day, that awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we say thank you, Jesus. Yeah, because we've been saved. And so we want to um, pause there on what I was talking about. I'm going to invite um, Rich and Ash and Dave to come up. So um, as we read here, he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So we're having this prophetic weekend talks about prophecy, vision, dreams, signs, wonders, miracles. You guys must come. Signs, miracles, wonders, everyone who calls on my name will be saved. So, um, we've got a question for you. We're going to do two things. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna quickly do a prophetic activation and we're going to pray for some sickness. Okay, those are the two things we're going to do and then we'll, we'll close. Who's hungry to hear from God today? Yes, Kathy. First hand. There we go. There we go. We said it'll be the first hand. Would you mind coming up? And who, thanks. Yeah. Who, who, who has a sense that they need to hear from God today? Please come, Jessica. And Luke, there we go, we've got three. Fantastic. Can you guys come? We just decided to do that randomly like that. So you guys can just stand. You, you got Dave, lucky you. You got Rich, Jess, you got, you got Ash. Fantastic. Okay, so, so before you give him the word, you have to wait. I want to invo- invite a second person to come and join. Edwina, not to get a word, but to join Dave. Come, come join Dave, and, and you might get a, a side word. I need, they need a helper. Please, each per- come. Just, just come and join them. You're not going to be doing much more than just joining them in this. Um, so, we just want to 
refresh us and remind us again together of what it looks like to hear from God. Pick, just, just pick um, one of the groups and we need one more um, second year or third year. Anybody want to come? One more. Okay, great. Fantastic. Um, God's always speaking. He's always got something to say. It might just be he loves you and as Josh, as our fa- um, the church's most famous failure that we celebrate with all our hearts. He might want to tell you something that's completely off the wall to get you into a conversation. For example, you've got a dead grandson and you've never had a child and God still has a plan for you and he loves you and it was a wonderful risk you took. And so we just celebrate risk more than success. That's the key that we want to, we want to say here. And why I'm doing this here again is to, to, to remind us is it's in the process of us being other-centered that we're going to find the healing we need and also the life that God has for us. That's the summary of what I'm trying to put out, there, put out here today. It's as each one of us begin to say, God, what are you speaking to someone else? That we're going to hear what he's speaking to us, as, almost as a sideshow, because we activate it into what he's doing. So the rest of you can watch. These guys are just going to have a moment and trust God to give them a word for them, and then they're going to share it with us. And the, why, the reason the second is there is you're going to watch how this other person does it. Okay? So you can look at the person. You can get set up. Um, Dave's already been going. Kate's been going. And, and, um, and then they're going to share it with us, and we're going to make it interactive so that we're all here. And probably there's going to be some radical failures. <laughs> we're going to cheer louder. Do you need more time? So if, you, if you've never given someone a prophetic word, while well, we give them 30 seconds. What these guys are doing, very simply, is what we believe to be really normal for us as followers of Jesus. As we just heard, sons and daughters, everyone will prophesy, will have visions and dreams. We come up and we just say, God, how much do you love this person? You're sitting in a cafe and you hear God... Like, or you just, something about, like, Jenna's red jersey just catches your eye. It's like, how could I not, the girl in the red jersey, not capture my eye? What is the, what is, yeah, what is the sense? What is the sense of, of why? What is God's heart over Jenna today in the red jersey? That's what we're doing here. We're just asking him. It's very basic. It's simple. And there's no risk in going out there. As I said earlier, it's not about, like, the courage we can quickly drum up and, like, rile each other up. But it's about having the compassion, the heart of God towards people. And that's what we want to be. Imagine this week, the amount of people that are going to be influenced by all of us just sharing how much God loves one person, being moved with compassion towards one person. It's wonderfully exciting and exhilarating. So there's no rocket science. It's just, God, how much do you love this person? What What might you be saying to them today? And the first thing that pops into your head is water skiing. And you're thinking, oh, my sack. We're in the Karoo. And it doesn't make any sense. And then you go over and there's water skiing. And so we talked about this before. Just to give you an example, we were praying. Yeah, Rich, Dave, Ash, myself, Jess was there as well. And, and he gave me this name, Jolene. And we told you guys the story. And, we, and it's like, okay, random put Jolene on the list. And we went to Bloemfontein about a month after we got these. Or no, it was two weeks after we got this name. We go to Bloemfontein, we run around Bloemfontein for three days and we find Jolene's hair salon. And to give you an update on the story, we, met, we had this wonderful time with Jolene. We got to pray with her and she was just, it was just a name that God gave us. Through that, we arrived there and they were in the process of planting a church, her and her husband, Elton. And there's been two subsequent visits to Bloem 
by the group that we went with to Bloom and they've been meeting up with Elton and he, it seems like he's going to be the person who's going to lead this cluster of people from across the city, from the art galleries, the trendy roastery, the, the bus station, the, all the places we all went to on that weekend. There's these people that are now starting to be drawn slowly together in towards being a church in Bloom. It's wonderful. And it was all through just like God, maybe Jolene. So we just put it down and then we Googled it. Jolene. And you'll find anything on Google, so you cannot get it wrong. <laughs> you, see, you guys, have, I've talked enough. You gave me the guys enough time. Okay, let's start here. Go. Not yet. Yeah? <laughs> Come on. Are you okay? Are you So, Jace, I just felt like God wanted you to know today that his purpose for you is so deep and so wide. It's like almost bigger than you can imagine. Um, and it's so good. Like it's almost like you need to expand your, your thoughts and your mind to be able to encompass all the goodness that God has said over your life, um, has spoken into being, even though his purposes haven't all come to pass yet. But it felt like he really wanted to just ignite that hope in his purpose. Um, and that it's just, there's is plan that's been put down on paper, you know, in essence. It's not something that you have to go and find that's lost. Um, yeah, just walking in his ways is walking in his purposes. And I felt like God also wanted to Yeah, I just I felt the warmth of his heart um, over you today. And I feel like he wants you to know that things that have been rough or have felt like rough seas, I just saw him smoothing. For you so things in your life at the moment that you feel maybe are up in the air or you feel really challenged and you're like god i don't know what is going on i don't know which way is north and which way is south it felt like he was just saying like it's okay like i'm writing your ship and um yeah i'm gonna point you north so just that there's this smoothing um happening in this next season so just to trust in him and that his heart of you is the heart of a good father. Yeah. Good, Ash, thank you. Good. 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 So I I saw this little baby with a short curly hair and quite a tanned little baby. You were holding this little child. And you were playing with the hair with your fingers. I could just sense this motherly love in this, in this child. Um, but it was so deeply rooted. And I think it's a lot wider than just for this little baby. I think there's a, like a community that will be drawn to you as a, as a, a mom figure um, that reaches out, you reach out your hands to them and you help. And it was such a special moment of like this connection with this child. Yeah. So I had that picture. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Oh. It's helpful. Makes sense. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know why it, you know, touched me the way it did. Um, I do get a sense that God's plans are deeper and fuller and just so completely much bigger than me and I just feel like I 
want to be in his hands and with him in this always. Amen. Thank you guys. Wonderful risk. Thank you. Look at Richard. Richard's come out of the I just want to say it's okay to do the like extreme closed eyes, broader need work, because that's Richard's way and he gets great words. Yeah. My defense, Carl didn't give me the music that I usually need. Oh, yeah, he needs, uh, <laughs> he needs a keyboard. I need the emotion. Um, yeah, okay. So, um, um, I just felt over you. I, I often get a catchphrase for people, I don't know, I don't know if it's just something that you take with you, but I felt the Lord said it quite clearly, uh, calmness and calamity. Um, and, I read, and then while I was praying for you, I saw this, this picture of, it was like a, like a hurricane, almost like a twister, um, and then you reminded me of that eye of the storm. You know? I mean, obviously you're not American, like I've never had a twister wreck my house, but I do know that like when it comes over, there's this moment inside the storm where it's like, serene you know it's almost like this is too good to be true um and i think that the lord was saying to me for you that a lot of people live with the calamity inside and the calmness outside um but you he's calling to live the other way around where the calmness lives inside of you um and he's saying like you're going to be known for the calmness that he roots in you and i feel like he was calling you um he's saying like often like practically like uh, you might have struggled with ways to actually fight to root that calmness into me. And I feel like you were saying, I want to entwine myself with you. So like, almost like you make a rope, like you be one strand, I'll be the other one. Um, and I think that what that looks like for you is just like waiting on the Lord. Just like, like you're saying, that desperation that, that you have of the Lord. Just literally waiting on the Lord. And in that waiting, like your mind turns to facets of his character like what does it all look like in this like what does it look like in that and in that waiting like you're actually going to go deeper in God in certain areas he's it's almost like he's drawing you in like in what what sometimes seems like silence and then once you've waited on the Lord the rope has been made he's not going to speak you know and so I really just want to declare that over you that that the Lord is going to bring a calmness and calamity and it's, you're actually going to take it with you like you're going to be that eye of the storm where you go um, yeah, so we just release the energy now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just so that the uh, way forward is going to come to some clarity. Mm-hmm. Wonderful one. Thank you. Okay, quickly, two pictures that I got that I believe are connected to your purpose and anointing of your life. And the one was a picture of almost a toolbox, but it was became a treasure chest, and God just started pouring in these different treasures that were so specific for certain people. And um, it was like connected to sort of your wealth and finances, but also like a giving and a multiplication anointing that you have, but it's very specific in terms of you hearing the Holy Spirit and how you release those things to certain people. And that you started doing it and there was such a sweet flow and then you would come back to this chest and there would be more. And so, yeah, we just, <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I feel that very strongly that um, God is going to be very specific about releasing that and multiplying it. And then um, the other one was um, that you have this desperation for calling people home. And I saw this picture of you with like a shepherd's uh, rod. And um, even God saying he's heard you crying, saying, these names and saying come home come home and that um, 
he's going to give you strategies on how to rope those sheep into his pasture. And it's going to be a supernatural thing, but it's not like something that you're drumming up with your personality or who you are, but it's actually an anointing on your life to call people home to the Father. Wonderful, good, good one for you. Feedback here. Uh, pictures on that. Thing like this week, the shepherds are on. So you had a picture of the shepherds. Yeah, I was um, actually started with the uh, not being allowed to give your kids hidings, that law thing, and I was thinking about the whole thing because, like, uh, the church, like, Christian people generally go to that scripture about spare the rod, spoil the child. And, and I was just wondering about what like the context for the rod was, and I started thinking like maybe the rod is also that like pulling back. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the rod of hitting, but it's the rod of pulling, the gentle shepherd. Because why would you really hit your sheep like hard? You, you wouldn't. You love your sheep. And they're your asset. You know, it's like why would you go and like beat your assets? You know? So you know, because obviously that's why you have sheep. Yeah, you know, this was this was the last week I've had this this contemplation. So. I've uh, just been like contemplating God in the in His nature, like that gentle hook, mm-hmm. hooking around us and pulling us. Wow! Yeah. So, so that's cool. Wonderful. I'm gonna stop you there before you say the length of the, the rod should be. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Multiply. Okay. Can you guys? Can you go? The first thing I noticed about you, I, was, I saw the head look. Thanks When I was when I was standing here, I just saw the hair, the clip holding all your hair together and I felt um, the phrase that came to me was just like a feeling of trying to hold everything together and I just felt, I just saw like that you taking that clip out and I, I just felt the Lord saying that um, you don't have to, you don't have to have it all together and that um, you know, it's bringing you a real peace uh, around circumstances where it just feels like, I don't know, right now I just feel like like a tearing in your heart, which just feels like I have to keep these things together, and it's just really ripping my heart apart. And I just see like the peace of the Lord mm-hmm. over you. And I, the second thing I saw was your scarf, and just felt like the Spirit saying that He's like just like a, a scarf is so comforting, like He's coming around you in this time to really bring incredible comfort. And um, the third thing I noticed was. There's some missing tiles in the roof upstairs, and I was reminded about that story of the men who the, that um, Dave Peterson shared with us last week. The guys who went and ripped the hole in the ceiling mm-hmm. and let let load their friend down. And I felt like there's something about you where there's this incredible tenacity. And when God gets hold of you, you'll be like one of those people who will like rip open the, the roof just to get someone to God. And I feel like maybe you've been in a season where it's felt like. You just had to dial back on things, and God's saying He's never called you to dial back because when you truly yourself, you you are tenacious and you and you never let go. And God's breathing life into that. Good. Um, Kathy, I saw a, like a you know a coat of arms, which has a motto associated with it, and I just I was asking God to see what that means, and I just felt Him saying that, you know that that just. The motto, um, well, just to say, I thought that he was saying the, sh- the shield of arms is given to something that's significant. You know, it's given to like a school or a, a business to market. And I felt him saying that your ministry or your work is significant. And that 
that motto, I don't know what it is, but just an encouragement from him that if you don't know what it is, just to spend time finding um, out, because he's got a very specific um, sort of role for you, um, and that there is a label to it, and so to spend time finding that. Maybe you do know what it is, and you just mm -hmm. continue doing that out, but yeah, that's sort of... That's Good. So, Kathy, what I saw when I was playing the bongo drum was you're sitting over there and I saw dew forming. And I thought, what is this dew? What is this beautiful dew? And the dew forms every morning. Without fail, beautiful dew forms on the leaves. And I was thinking, I was sitting, what is this? And I felt the Lord saying, my mercy is on you every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every morning his mercy is new for you. And it forms perfectly for you to come and find these beautiful little drops. And I thought your, what you've been through in the season is um, a test, testimony, but it's been a test. Mm -hmm. And um, what, you're gonna, what you're gonna see coming through it is that um, God is gonna be faithful to you. And you're, you're, you're coming, and what Kate's saying, you're coming into a season of ministry out of, out of your life to others, which will be the announcement of God's faithfulness wow. to people. And there's gonna be people who are gonna need to hear this. And you're going to help them see that in that dark place he's faithful. Amen. Amen. Good. Well, thanks, guys. I know when you're watching, you're sort of thinking, oh, I also would like a word now, I guess. <laughs> thanks for being respectful and quiet. And I'm, just to say, this is the simplest, most normal thing for us as believers to do. Just how much do you love this person? What might you be saying to them right now that I can share with them? And how much more dynamic is this when it's not in this wonderfully safe environment where people want to hear from God? In a sort of confessed way. But actually, everybody's walking around desperately in need of a word from God. Everybody's longing for someone to interact with them and say, you know, you've been forgiven. His love is enough for you. And we do it in specific ways. And so this, it was just kind of a, a taste, a teaser of... Um, why are we having this weekend together? And I plan to do the other exercise, but I won't. But I'm going to explain it to you in 30 seconds. Um, because we've run out of time. When we talk about healing the sick, this is exactly the same. Maybe you're moving around and you're walking around or you see something and you move with compassion and you see someone who's got an ailment or someone mentions something to you and you, and you have a sense, I need to pray, as Jesus has instructed us, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the demons, and pronounce the gospel. That's, that's our day-to-day that's our, our -day mandate, just wherever we go. So I want to give you this practical tool that we, that we always use. And do this because it helps you build your own faith. So you see this person, and you engage them, and you say, what kind of pain have you got? And they'll say, like, I've had a blocked ear since yesterday because I was trying to clean my ear, and I pushed wax deep into my ear, and then I couldn't hear for the rest of the day. It was wrong. And I remember you're not supposed to put something small in your ear, but I did. And so you're walking around and this person's got this blocked ear and there's this thing. And you say to them, on a scale of 1 to 10, how severe is it right now? Can you feel it? This is the tool I'm giving you. Because when they give you that number 5 or 6, you're able to then pray that number down and start to sense, is God on this? And so you pray that number down. And that's simply what I wanted to, to, to sort of model with us again, to remind us this next week. Let's be looking for people who God loves Firstly, and let's be praying for people that are sick. Let's, let's, let's be super intentional about doing that. So ask them that number and, and use that number as a way to bring it down. It's really fun when you start to do it. 
especially when someone says 10 out of 10 and then you get them right down to none. And don't be afraid to say, let's just pause there. Sorry, I know it doesn't seem like the number's moving. Pray again. And begin to allow the authority that's on your life to well up and to speak as Jesus would speak. Because he only did what he saw his father doing and he was moved with compassion towards people. Amen. So I hope it was helpful for you today. Um, I know Dave's got a word for Josh. Do you want to maybe come up and get your word? But let's stand and close in prayer. Um, <clears throat> Dave asked me to just mention that, so I'm mentioning it. But if there's someone else here who says, Flip, you know, I see you guys who give words left, right and center. Just come up and someone will give you a word. No problem. This is God's always speaking to us.